Hey, thanks for joining us at The Cornerstone. We're the Young Adults Ministry at Praise Chapel Paramount. We meet every Friday night and host a young adult service. Our goal is simple, to know God and to make Him known. Thank you, Brother Michael. I'm excited for you to go have a lifelong vacation in Austin, Texas. It's going to be good. But I did go and tell you, California's better. Anyways, let's go more. All right, so uh, what's up, guys? I'm Gabriel Menchaca. Everybody calls me Gabo. Um, I'm so skinny. I don't know why they call me Gabo. I went to the gym yesterday, and I wore my skinny jeans today. I think it's too much too soon, huh? So anyways, we'll go forward. All right, anyways, uh, I want to have a good time. But um, uh, we are, we are um, believers in, in the Great Commission, and uh, we uh, usually are in Europe in working with ministry and doing projects there. Um, for whatever reason, man, God just coursed us. We came back to the States. We've been here for a couple months now. Uh, it's been really good uh, just to be around, get around people, get around church, get around praise chapels, get around other churches, Calvary chapels, Victory Outreaches, all these other names, all these other churches that we're, you know, friends with, getting around them, just hearing what God's doing in the U.S. And, uh, and I really believe um, that there's a lot of, uh, of things that we can do as the church to really impact society. And a lot of these things that I'm going to share tonight are really birthed out of that, to challenge you into some of that. But let's, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for, for the opportunity to be here tonight. We are grateful. Lord, we, we ask that this word, Lord, would speak to our hearts, that it would penetrate us uh, to the deepest parts we have, God. Lord, that, that you would speak to us in a way that is challenging, uh, that you would make the religious uncomfortable, that you would make the, the hypocritical uh, question where they're at in their Christian walk, Lord. Heavenly Father, that your, your Holy Spirit would be here with us, convict us, edify us, encourage us, help us, Lord, to serve you. Jesus, we give you glory and honor. We declare you as Lord over this church, over this message, and over our lives. We thank you for all you have done, all you are doing, and all you are going to do. In your holy name we pray, amen. So the message that I got for you tonight that I really thought God gave uh, uh, me for you, and uh, it's called Take Offense. Uh, some of you are like, oh, I know that band. Yeah, so, but Take Offense, Take Offense. And then, uh, and then the subtitle is, and then Pick a Side. Take Offense and then Pick a Side. So I want to go into this, but, but I just want to read this sentence to you that we're going to repeat throughout the night. The gospel is not for agreement. It is for obedience. We don't hear the gospel to find what we like or what we agree with. We hear it to adjust our lives to what truth is. I think a lot of times we can get concerned over what is said. You can get concerned about what is being said in the church, in a small group, maybe at your school, by a Christian, by, a, by someone who represents Christ. But, I, but I, want us, I want us to talk about something in particular. Let's just say you invited a neighbor or a family member. Okay? Let's just say you invited them to church. And you're like happy. You're like, dude, this person said they would never go to church. And they're here. And you're like excited. You're like, wow. And, and their thing is to party. They love, I mean, they love getting drunk. Okay? 
So they're here at church, and you know that their, their passion in life is to taste every beer and get drunk in every type of position or whatever way they could do. Okay, that's their passion. And they come to church, and, and, and then there's, there's this, this leader from your church. They get up, and then they read this scripture. And this is in the Bible. Let's go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. It says this, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. So the part that would stick out to that person that came to church would be that nor drunkards. That it says clearly that a drunkard shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now it says a bunch of other stuff. But for that person in particular, they would hate that part. And then, you know, they'd get up and, they, and they'd st stand up and, you know, be like, what are you doing in this place? Let's get out of here. These people are obviously bigots. They, they, their di lives are dictated by an outdated book. Let's get out of this place. And then you'd be left in this weird position. What do you do? Do you leave with them? Because then you offend everybody in the church that knows you. Do you stay? Because then you offend them. And if it's a family member, that means every single family gathering that you're going to have for the rest of your life is going to be one where they're offended by your presence. If it's your neighbor, every time you pull up in your driveway, you'll be hoping you don't see them. We're not talking about the offense the Christian does when they sin against another Christian. So this is a different type of offense. If you got questions, you talk to your leaders. They can sort that out for you. <laughs> but we're talking about offense. The world is offended that you exist. Did you know that? You're offensive because you're here tonight. There are two types of people that are always offended by the truth. Always. Those in sin and those steeped in empty religion. They're offended by the truth. The people that are in sin are, are just offended that you would say such a thing to cause them harm or shame or embarrassment. Why would you hurt me? And then the religious are angry that the control of what they want you to believe is out of their hands. So two types of people are always offended by the truth. The world is offended that you come every week and worship Jesus. A man who called people out. He messed up traditional practices. And then you're supposed to read his words. And then you're supposed to go out and live by them. That's offensive to the world. That's offensive to those that are in sin. See, a lot of times we get stuck on this idea of what offense is and how we should handle it. We get stuck on the wrong offense. We get stuck trying to pamper the offended. 
You know, like, the, oh, he got hurt. Oh. Everyone, let's go pray for him. Dude, he, he, like, that's like the 25,000th time he's been offended. You get stuck on this idea of pampering people or trying to fix what was said. You ever done that? Okay, and this is why I always tell people this. I say, never make an excuse for your leadership. Never make an excuse. Oh, well, that's not what pastor meant. Well, they didn't really mean it that way. Either way, it doesn't matter. Because you shouldn't be trying to change what was said. If they were wrong, they're going to be judged. Not many of us should be teachers, is in the Bible. So if they were wrong, they're going to be judged. If they were right, you do nobody any help, any positive reinforcement in any sort of way by trying to soften the truth. Never make excuses for your leadership. See, we do that a lot. And, and it's kind of normal because even the disciples, they did that. If we go to the book of Matthew, chapter 15. Matthew 15, 1 through 13. It says this, Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the, the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. This was the first offense. Verse 3. He answered and said to them, why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? This is the second offense. Verse 4, for God commanded saying, honor your father and your mother. And he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift, from, is a gift to God. Then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. When he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand. Not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. In verse 12, it says this, Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? This is the third offense that happened in this account. Verse 13, But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. This was the fourth offense. They are blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Jesus is not very apologetic here. So the first offense is that the disciples offended the tradition of the elders. That was the first offense. The second offense was that Jesus said, but you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition. So they were saying, they're not following our tradition. And he's saying, but your tradition is not supposed to be there anyway. And then they go further. And this is the third offense. It says that his disciples came to him and said, do you not know that, the, or do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? That's like going to your pastor and say, hey, did you know when you preached on sin, all the sinners were offended? I think you shouldn't do that. That's literally what the disciples were doing to Jesus. They were saying to him, did you know you offended them? And Jesus was very clear. 
He, and, then, and then fourth offense was this. He says, leave them alone. So he basically tells him, that's none of your business. So it's like this. You go to the leadership. Did you know you offended them? I just wanted you to know. Because I want our church to grow. I want it to be healthy. I want it to be a good church. And, and I just don't want you to offend people. I want our church to be a good church. And, and the way Jesus would have responded to you is like, is like oh, man, shut up. That, that's literally what he would, he would say. You know, hey, you do you. Let me do me. If, if I'm in leadership, I'm the one doing it. So the reality of offense is that it comes in a bunch of different directions. Jesus is not very apologetic. These were well-respected men, leaders of the community. They made sure things were right. But the Bible itself is not very nice. It's described, uh, Hebrews 4, 11 through 13. Let's go there. Hebrews 4, 11 through 13. It says, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. And is a, uh, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. You ever thought about a double-edged sword? Think of it like this. When you grab a sword that's double-edged, where do you grab it from? You're like, uh, this is algebra, bro. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Stop. Where do you grab the sword from? <laughs> wow, guys. I didn't go take this long. Where do you grab the sword from? The handle. I want to thank that college graduate back there. <laughs> I don't know who that was. <laughs> the handle. You grab it from the handle. Why? Because if you grab it from the blade and you try to actually wield the sword from the double-edged blade, what will happen? You'll cut yourself. It's not meant to be handled from the blade. There's, there's a way that you hold the sword. The person who holds the word of God in the wrong way, damages themselves. It's what happens to the religious people. They think, you got to think of it. Like you're, this guy, if it's a religious person, they're holding it the wrong way. Everybody knows it. Everybody sees it, but them. They think they're a ninja. <laughs> You know, they're, they're like, well, the Bible says this, bro. Bible says this. Bible says this. And you're like, hey, I think that's out of context. Like, you know, it's, it's, you're holding it the wrong way. The Bible is a double-edged sword meant to be held a specific way whenever the anointing is in a person and speaking the word of God, it's offensive to the religious. The religious will always in turn try to hold the word the wrong way, cutting themselves. Because the religious will always try to grab the thought and say, this is what it really means. 
It's like a sermon. It's like, what'd you think of that sermon, bro? I think it was wrong. I think the way he portrayed it was technically, the cultural context was more coming from this angle. You know, I went to, I went to two months of Bible college, so you know, I, I know what I'm talking about. You know, so, so the, the, the religious will always try to grab the word of God and the word that's being relayed, and they try to grab it and control it from their end. It's quiet in this Methodist church tonight. The gospel is not for agreement. It is for obedience. It feels a little bit uncomfortable when things become offensive or abrasive. Now listen to what this guy said a long time ago. He said this, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring a sword, or I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come... To set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Now this crazy man who said this went by the name of Jesus. And this is offensive. What he's saying to you and to me is your mom, your dad, your brothers, your sisters, they're lower than Jesus. That's offensive. If you went home tonight, you went to your loving mother, and you said, Mom, I love Jesus more than you. (laughs) And she's not a Christian. You get a slap. (laughs) But the reality of what Jesus, the picture he was painting was he was saying, none of that stuff is more important than me. I like to think of what what God puts in us as like a current. There are two types of currents that move the ocean. There's the, the deep currents that moves the ocean. And then there's surface currents. Surface currents, I like to parallel with the thought of watching a movie and getting emotional. It's like, oh, that was a good movie. I'm going to have a good cry, you know? <laughs> but there's an, this, this inner deep current that moves you. And, it, and it's like there's some things that they, they hurt you emotionally. They're hard to deal with. Your mom says you need to go to school. And you say, God's called me to do this over here. That's divisive. Or, or, or your mom says you need to go be a pastor. And you're like, God's called me to be a doctor. These things are divisive. What I'm saying is, is Jesus painted a very clear picture that offense is going to be part of the picture. You're never going to get away from it. It's going to come from every single direction of your life. If we go further in the book of Luke, chapter 9, verse 57 through 62. It says, now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. 
But you, go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. That's offensive. (laughs) Jesus literally said, if you look back, A lot of people are disqualified tonight, right? If you cannot stay focused on God, you are not fit for the kingdom of God. That's harsh. That's offensive. Aren't you offended? I'm offended. Because I'm like, man, God, how do we do this? It gets worse. Did you know that, that God somewhat plays favorites? He somewhat plays favorites. You know, we, we try to preach this like, you know, oh, God loves us all the same. I don't know. I'm just saying, I don't know, I don't know if this is like something you want to take and, and preach and make a whole doctrine on. But it's a thought because if we read in the Bible and we, we say that, you know, God loves us all the same. We read this, this scripture in Hebrews eleven five. 5. It says, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. So it says, Enoch didn't see death. So that means that God literally didn't allow this guy to die. (laughs) So that means that as much as Digger wants to be the best, (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) It means that as much as you want to be the best, you're never going to be as good as this guy Enoch. Because God took him. Like that's a little offensive, God. I'm living pretty well here. I'm doing a pretty good Christian walk. I mean, I think I should not see death either. That's, but that's the picture painting here, that God loved this guy so much. It says that he did not see death. Isn't that a little bit offensive? That it's like, God, how are you going to let him not see death, but I'm going to die? Because we're all going to die. So then we read again, and... <laughs> it, there's 2 Kings 2.11. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Okay, in the, I've been alive, I'm 33 years old. I've been alive 30, like three decades and some change, okay? I've never seen that happen to any preacher that I've ever known. I have never seen anyone like, lived so well that God was like, oh, I'm just taking them. There's there's just poof. That's never happened. So here we have this understanding that number one, it's a lifestyle of offense. You're gonna be offended. I hope you get offended. I hope that the gospel so penetrates your life. That you're offended by it. That you're like, I hate it. I can't take it. How can you be a Christian? 
The gospel is not for agreement. It is for obedience. The reality of sin. Let's talk about sin for a minute. People say like, oh, all sin is the same. No, it's not. Because there's an unpardonable sin. So you say, all, all of us are equal. No, some of you are living pretty jacked up lives. And you're like, well, well, they sin over there. Yeah, but they're pursuing Jesus. You're pursuing hypocrisy. The reality of offense is that I hope the gospel offends you. I hope that if you're religious and you're practicing something that is a routine, that the Holy Spirit comes into your life and completely offends you. Because then you pick a side. I could say it like this. If the gospel doesn't offend you, then you're not reading it. If the gospel doesn't present to you a sinful reflection of who you are and the things you desire, you're not reading it. The Bible calls you out to the innermost parts of who you are. It challenges your, your thinking. I was thinking about the, the invitation to amplify. And I was like, the easiest way to get everybody there is to say like, okay, who's single? There's, there's plenty of single people there. For $30, you can go find a mate. <laughs> That's easy, right? Right? <laughs> the selfishness of the, of the way we live and the reasons we come to church. Some of us might not have even come tonight really to worship God or to really hear the word. We came maybe for another reason. I don't know. Hopefully you're offended by that. But the reality is that the reasons you come to church should be cut through when you read the word. We're sinners in need of a savior. And the reason we come to church is to get closer to Jesus. Number one, it's not an emotion. Number two, it's not a spiritual high. And number three, it's not a checklist. It's not, man, I really felt the Holy Spirit tonight. So then the rest of the week, when you don't feel anything, what are you? <laughs> you know, oh, God used me powerfully tonight. I went over there and I prophesied to that brother. Okay, what does that make you now? Well, it makes me better than, than Brother Michael. See, the reality of the reasons we're stepping into church, the checklist, you know, like, you know, they call it, um, someone told me, I, I had never heard this in my life. They said, uh, they called it a fire, fire insurance. And I was like, fire insurance? And they're like, yeah, you know, like, so you don't burn up in hell? And I was like, ah, and it's a checklist. Like, you know, you go to church, boom, good to go. Next, I got a whole seven days. Now, if I die in that time till next Sunday, I'm good to go. I got my insurance. You know, the, the reality of why we come to church, everybody here uniquely steps into this building for different reasons. But, but the gospel itself is never changing. 
And so the reality of if we're coming to church and we're dealing with offense coming from there, offense coming from there, and we're like, oh, but don't offend them. They're just coming in. We just want them to be loved. Guys, this is not like a hippie farm. This is not for everybody to, to come in and feel great. This, the gospel, reflects who you are as a sinner. It challenges your lifestyle, your thinking, your passions, the things you so love. God will challenge you about it. And he'll, and he'll bring you to a place where it's offensive. And then you'll go home and, and you'll tell the people that we're accepting of you. And you'll say, man, I feel so horrible. I went to this church service and, and they said these things and I can't live like this anymore. And then your family and your friends will come around and be like, no, no, you don't listen to them. Don't, don't listen to what they're saying. They don't know the Bible. God loves us. And then they'll put the song, oh, how he loves us. Guys, I'm sorry, but let's go further. Let's, let's go to the Bible again. The gospel is not for agreement, it's for obedience. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness." Whatever imaginative idea you had of church, of it being this great, all-accepting, all-comforting, luxurious place of, of peace and joy and happiness. Guys, that's not what the Bible picture, uh, paints a picture of. The reality of Christianity was that it was the shunned belief of society. But as when it was shunned, is when it rose to the leadership of society. The, the word ecclesia was the called out ones. They called on the church to help them dictate society. But the problem is you're calling on the world to help you dictate the church. It's a reactionary thing that we could look at even in society right now. The sexual harassment uh, uh, cases going on all around in, in uh, uh, Hollywood. There's, a, there's an incident of a, of a church they got involved in this. And, and now it's all over. Anybody been on Reddit? You're like, no, we don't. We don't no, I don't know. Uh, every now and then. <laughs> these, these, and then on top of that, you got the sexual harassment policies. You got DACA. You got, you got Black Lives Matter. You got issues that are going on in society that the church is literally just kind of looking at and being like, hmm, well, he loves us. You're offering no answer to the world that's looking to you because you're walking on eggshells trying not to offend anybody. Well, we don't want to say that. Oh, don't say that. You'll get sued. I think we should go to jail for the gospel. Why not? It'll help us be real Christians. If Christianity became illegal, I wonder how many of us would still be here. The reality of, of offense is that you got to stop being afraid of it. 
You got to start walking in a place that says, you know what, man? Me being a Christian is offensive, period. Just the fact that I believe that Jesus is my personal Lord and Savior is offensive. That's offensive. And you got to take the position that says, okay, you know what? That's offensive. So the truth that flows out from that, that's also going to be offensive. The reality is that we never take the gospel as a thing to obey. We take it as a piece of art subjective to our own taste. You know, sometimes it's like the art gallery, the church. You know, you, you go to an art gallery. Anybody ever been to an art gallery? Yeah. You see the people. And the real, like, the, the ones that are really into art, man, they'll stare at a painting for like an hour. And they're just like, dude, like, the intricacies of it. You know, wow. You know, just on their artisan cup of coffee. You know, just kind of looking back and forth. And, and then someone comes in and whispers, what do you think? And you're like, like oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> the, the colors of it just envelop me. You know, like, and then, and then the other person starts chiming in. Yeah, I really think the contrast have brought out the depth of who the artist really was. And then you go into the, the, the history of the, of the artist itself. And, you know, that's how we do church. We come to church and we're like, well, what do you think of that sermon? Oh, the intricacies of it. It was beautiful. It really spoke to me in a personal way. Like, I believe that pastor, his history was this. That's why he said that. And, and the, it, guys, church is not a gallery to look at. And to fixate on what you believe to be the most important thing. The gospel is the most important thing, period. So then you don't sit there and critique what is being said. You say, what is the gospel? How do I receive it? How do I live it? How do I share it? Not, do we have to say that? Can I not say that and still be okay? But won't that offend those people? Won't that offend the new baby Christians that walk in? You start to worry about the wrong things. Take offense. Be offended at the gospel. And then pick a side. Don't, don't worry about everybody else. I come back to, and I'll close right now. I come back to the thought of when, when, you're, when you're alone and the Holy Spirit touches you and there's a real moment that, that God just gets a hold of your life. There's no questioning. There's, there's no like concern. Is this offensive to somebody? You sit there or you stand there and, and God touches you and your life changes and you don't care who's around you don't care who's watching you don't care what happens next all you know is that God is real and, and you know that my life man whatever has happened from this point I know that God's real 
I'm going to live for Him. Thanks for listening to this week's message from The Cornerstone. If you want to follow us online, connect with us on Instagram at the underscore Cornerstone. 